the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Genuine regard for others can only come through genuine faith in Jesus. The word genuine use here carries the idea of natural outgrowth or a result of something. It is born out of something. That's what the word genuine means here. You know, I like eating rice. I don't know why I'm illustrating about food today, but I like eating rice. <laughs> rice is a staple food for me. I don't know for you. You know, it's some of you, it's pasta. Some of you, it's bread. But for me, it's, it's rice. But I have some blood sugar issues, and rice is filled with, you know, sugar. Carbohydrates in general is uh, rich with sugar, so I can't have too much rice. So what do I do? I look for an imitation rice, all right? And I found a couple. There's quinoa, which I can't spell, so I said, no, I don't, I don't want that, okay? I don't eat something I can't spell, all right? So there's quinoa, but I found one that comes close, and it's called cauliflower rice. And um, I can't spell it either, but it's better than quinoa, all right? So I tried it for a couple of times, and you know what? just doesn't work. Imitation rice is just like imitation crab. Imitation crab doesn't come out of a shell. It's not genuine. It's imitation. You know what imitation crab is? It's fish boba is what it is. It's, it's tapioca marinated in fish. That's what crab meat, imitation crab meat is. The point is to be genuine is to be born with that kind of nature, that kind of quality. And the same is true with us in regard to our genuine concern for other people. If our concern or our regard for people is not genuine, it's not going to taste right with God, and it's not going to taste right with other people. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You mean to tell me that Genuine regard for people cannot come unless I'm born again and unless I'm a follower of Jesus. But what about those people who don't even believe in Jesus but are showing genuine regard? And that's true. We benefited from people who don't even believe in God and yet they have genuine regard for people. Here's the difference. The difference is temporal results and eternal perspective. As Christians, we don't think in terms of earthly benefit, we think of eternal benefit. Yes, I benefited a lot from the genuine regards of people who are not even sharing the same faith as I am. But the difference is this. The benefit is temporary. It's limited to this world. Eventually, genuine regard must have eternity in its sights in order for it to be truly truly genuine. You mean to tell me the good things that, that uh, other people do as a sign of genuine regards for others doesn't count? As far as God is concerned, it doesn't count for eternity. And that's a sad thing for me to say. 
The Bible says none of our good deeds count. What counts is only the goodness of God. That's the only thing that counts in the sight of God. And that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. Because we always think that we have innate goodness, that our, in, you know, our personal goodness will be good enough to warrant us uh, eternal life. That isn't true. God says our righteousness is like filthy rags. It matters here on earth. It does. But you know what? It doesn't matter for eternity because it's not the problem is not that we are incapable of doing good. The problem is that we will never be good enough measured against the standard of, of goodness that God set. And what is the standard of goodness that God set? Absolute 100% perfection. And none of us can live up to that. That's why we need Jesus. And that's the bottom line of being a follower of Jesus. We're not saved by the things that we do. You know, I, you know, you can get help. I, can, I get help all the time. But you know, at some point, when you truly regard someone with genuine concern, you're concerned about their eternal destiny. Amen? That's what Jesus came and did. That's why Jesus died on the cross and died and rose again from the dead so that there is an eternal perspective for everybody. And that's what it's all about. Jesus says, you pour your life to people. And Jesus said, if you do this good deed to the very least of these, you would have done it for me. Okay, that's what Jesus said. And then a time will come when people will face the Lord in, in, in judgment. And they will say, haven't we done all of these genuine good things? Why can't we enter heaven? Jesus says, depart from me. You did those things on your own. You didn't do it me and that's a sobering warning for each and every one of us as followers of jesus our mindset when we say we're going to be selfless and pour our lives it has to be eternal you know yes we are heavenly minded and we're not so much good for this earth yes i'll accept that criticism but you know what eternity is much longer than our temporal life here on earth we're not sowing seeds for the temporal Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven when nothing can be destroyed. It'll be granted to you on that day. What about those who really are genuinely good? I mean, would God really reject their acts of goodness? I, I don't think God rejects any acts of goodness. I think what God rejects is the fact that many times... We think that our own goodness is, is enough to make sure that we earn a place in eternity. All the goodness that we do here on earth, if we don't give it to God, will only be a temporary fix, okay? Everything will be a temporary fix. Our number one priority here on earth, loved ones, is to look out for the interest of Jesus. Ways to magnify and glorify Jesus. The message of the gospel is not centered on solving the problems of the world. And sometimes we, we, we try as Christians, you know, to, to do things without the perspective of eternity because we think that, hey, God commands us to do, to do good things, to come up with genuine regard for people so that the problems of the world will be fixed. That's not our number one priority. 
okay? You might as well uh, receive that in your heart this morning. The priority of the gospel is not to solve the problems of the world, but to get people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Genuine regard for, for others is rooted in our desire to bring them to the foot of the cross of Jesus. It begins and it ends with the lordship of Jesus Christ. As Christians, that's our overarching goal that drives our concerns. We ha the concern that we have for the world. Our first priority is to be concerned about the body of Christ and about the word of Christ and about the name of Christ. We are inward focused. As long as we are inward focused, we can deal with the outside things, but we need to have a genuine love for God and a genuine love for God's people in order that we can start dealing with what's going on in the world. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are in the house, household of faith. You know, there's so much issues going on, so much problems going on in our world today. And our gen but our genuine concern is focused on the work of Jesus. That's what's going to bring true social justice in this world. We have a lot of talk about social justice. We're crying for social justice. People are defining what's going on, coming up with theories, you know, about why we have so much social issues in this world. People are coming up with social justice theories and things like that, why we have racism and things like that. They're pointing out to, uh, towards institutional problems. There are people saying, hey, you know, the problem of racism in America is it's structural. We have power structures and, 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 and institutionalized racism and things like that. And, you know, I'm not here to argue for whatever people are finding. Here's what I know. Uh, racism is not a, a structural problem. It's a spiritual problem. I don't, I, don't, I don't think, you know, a person, when you talk about being, I don't think it's an institutional issue. I think it's an individual issue. You know, people start to blame, you know, hey, you know, because the structure in this country is such and such, you know, that the people who are in power are oppressing people that are out of power and all that. I don't know where you land on that. I don't even know if it's true or not or whatever. Probably is, probably not. But here is what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate. Pilate said to Jesus, do you know that I have the force of the entire Roman Empire? That the structure is behind me? That the institution is behind me? Do you know that I have the power to either execute you or set you free? And Jesus said to Pilate, you have no power unless it has been granted to you from above. What was Jesus saying? We're powerless to solve any of these issues unless we come to the point in our life when we say Christ is the answer. That's why we preach. That's why we come. That's why we look at the word of Christ because He is the answer. Unless God gets a hold of a person's heart and transforms that heart from darkness to light, unless Jesus gives that heart, transfers it from death to life. We will put a band-aid on our social problems today, but we will have them again a few years from now. We can come up with laws and things like that to be able to stop mass murderers from shooting people up. And it's a sad day when that happens. 
And we can legislate all of that stuff. But that, not, that will not end mass killings. I'm sorry to say that. Because unless a person's heart and mind is transformed, there'll be no lasting eternal value to the things that we do. It solves the problems for the here and now. Okay, I'm not knocking them down. But at the end of the day, we can eliminate all weapons, but we cannot eliminate murderers. And our genuine concern should be focused on people coming to know the testimony of the gospel. And it begins right here and right now in the church. Listen to the Great Commission. I know you've heard this and read this many times over in Matthew 28, 18. But I want you to pay attention very carefully to the Great Commission. Then Jesus said to them, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. To who? To Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, a singular name, of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our priority is to show genuine concern for others by making them followers of Jesus and baptizing them, meaning bringing them into the church. Did you know that baptism, the first, the first and foremost priority of being baptized, okay, not just a representation of our life, death, and resurrection in Jesus. That's the spiritual uh, outworking of baptism. But the practical outworking of baptism, we submit ourselves to baptism, not as a ritual or a sacrament. They are that, but to bring you to the body of Jesus. That's what baptism is. That's why this summer is going to get hot if you haven't been baptized. Talk to me. I'll baptize you in the coldest water that will eliminate your sin once and for all. No. No, no, water baptism doesn't eliminate our sin, you know. It just makes us wet sinners, as they say, you know. Because it's, a, it, it, it's part of bringing us into the fold, into the family of God. That's our first priority. As a pastor, I care about God's people understanding why they are Christians. And I hope to God that you know you are a Christian. I don't want to ever have to, con to, to, to conduct a funeral for someone I know deep in my heart. <laughs> this person... I'm just being nice to the family by telling them, oh, you know, one day, you know, there's going to be a, you know, sometimes I lie. But you got to know why, what your mission is, why we're born again. Our priority is to make sure that the name of Jesus is exalted. Amen. That's what we did this morning. Praise God. And to tell people you belong to the household of God. If you're a young person, don't get out of the household of God. There's a lot of challenges, you know, the young people face today. They're being bombarded by lies, literally lies. They have not been taught, you know, the biggest problem that, uh, that churches, maybe including ours, you know, although I'm, I'm its pastor, so I don't, I don't want to admit problems, you know. But the biggest problem that we have in dealing with the young, young, younger generation of Christians, this is what I truly believe in my heart, okay, that we are failing to instill a healthy fear of the Lord in the hearts of our young people. They really don't fear God. By fear, I don't mean getting scared of God, being awe of God. 
they're not in awe of God. They can sing a good song of our God is an awesome God, but they're not awed by God. We need to pour ourselves into the lives of our young people because they need to have a healthy fear, a healthy reverence for the name of Jesus because his name is above every name. Did I tell you that? Did the Bible say that to us? His name is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee. Those who believe in him and those who do not believe in him, one day every knee will bow. And listen, loved ones, I'd rather bow now than bow later on and have that bowing mean nothing to my eternal destiny. The time of bowing to Christ is now. We don't bow to any other people. I mean, you read, read the Bible. From the Old Testament to the New, we bow to the name of Jesus. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they were thrown in the fiery furnace because the king says, if you don't bow down, I'm going to fire you. And he meant fire. Brought them to the fiery furnace. And you know what happened? There were three of them, but by the time everything is said and done, there were four. And the fourth one was Jesus. We're going to go through a lot more struggles. But Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them, teach them everything I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you forever. Not afraid. Jesus is with us. We're not afraid. There's a final point here. A mind of selflessness is willing to risk oneself for the gospel. And I think that's self-explanatory. Risking oneself for the gospel. The example of Epaphroditus. Now, we don't know much about this man, Epaphroditus. He's only mentioned in this letter. But we do know a few things about him. And number one, that he belongs to the church in Philippi. Number two, he was mainly involved in helping Paul by giving what the support of the Philippian church. He's the errand person that brings the support to Paul who was actually in jail. We also know that Epaphroditus was a convert from paganism. Okay? His name, Epaphroditus, literally means someone who belongs to Aphrodite. Okay? So he was a pagan. Aphrodite, of course, we know is the goddess of fertility, goddess of beauty we, in, in, in the, uh, in the Roman, Roman Empire. Her equivalent is Venus in the Greek uh, mythology or whatever they want to call that. But we know that Epaphroditus was named after Aphrodite, okay? And he was formerly a pagan, but through the ministry of Paul, he became Paul's brother, a fellow soldier, and a collaborator. And the Bible says that, that he risked his life he risked his life for the gospel. Look at verse 29. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. One of the biggest stumbling blocks that many have in embracing the Christian faith is the sacrificial aspect of serving Jesus. The risk involved in living out the Christian life. There is risk involved in being a Christian because we're living in a fallen world. I am grateful, make no mistake about it, okay? I am grateful that I live in America. And I'm not saying that because, I, you know, I live in America. I'm grateful 
because compared to the risks that we have to take as Christians here in this country, compared to the risks that other Christians are taking elsewhere in the world, this is a cakewalk. You know, where we, we, we haven't risked our lives yet to a point of death while so many of our brothers and sisters have already given the ultimate sacrifice. And I'm not saying we're praying for that. I'm not saying we're asking for that. I'm not saying we should, we should really give up our lives to be qualified as a Christian. I'm not saying that at all. But here's what I'm saying. With the opportunity and the freedom and the blessings that we have, the least we could do is to be all out for Jesus in, in our world. That we need to pour out ourselves a little bit more in terms of how we engage life on a day-to-day basis. We need to take risks in taking, t- telling people about Jesus. We need to do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a risk that, that you know, we should be willing to take to make a stand on issues. I know it's pretty, pretty unpopular to be a, an evangelical Christian right here, right now, in our in, in the greatest country in the world of all places. But nevertheless, we need to make a stand on, on, on those issues that we know. God says, here's the word, stand on it. Here's the way, walk in it. These are not something that you know, preachers just, just loosely toss out there. I, I, I'm never going to put uh, anybody in a place where I know that the, the power of God cannot sustain us. But we need to make a stand. We need to, make, we need to take some risks when we, when we follow Jesus. I'm grateful, you know, because of the freedoms that we have here. But as believers, we need to recognize that we have it very, very good in our country. If we're going to be selfless, we have to be willing to take, take risks for the gospel. We need to take risk on standing on issues at the expense of great personal risk because it is the Christian thing to do. We speak the truth in love because it is the Christian thing to say. I'm not suggesting that we invite risk. Please understand, I'm not uh, advocating inviting problems in our lives. In fact, if you are relatively problem-free and all of that, the more you and I ought to pour ourselves out a little bit more and to serve the cause of the gospel in thereby serving Jesus. I'm not suggesting that we, 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 we think that because we haven't risked our lives that much that we're not counted for eternity. No, we don't serve a God like that. But we had been given our specific pathway. Amen? We have a race that had been plotted out before us and we need to be faithful in acknowledging that path. We need to be faithful in making sure that we tread that path With faith, Christians in every generation and in all walks of life must travel Calvary's road. Every single one of us. We need to travel Calvary's road. Um, It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or whether you're what your ethnic or national origin is. If you sign up, if you become a Christian, there is a risk because we stand, we the church, we stand in between eternal damnation and eternity with God. That's our calling as a church. I mean, I, we should be encouraged to know that we have more opportunities as Christians right now than other people elsewhere have. And the least we could do 
is to maintain that strong allegiance to the Word of God because we have the opportunity. We have the freedom. And we, we let that go and we compromise our stand. We compromise our faith. What happens is that the world is not going to see the, the light. They're not going to taste the salt and they're most definitely not going to drink from the fountain of life. Risks come when we follow Jesus. As Paul writes so profoundly in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We ought to have that kind of a mindset. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.